What's that, guys? Water. Yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's who we're sponsored by. And welcome to the first episode of the Don't Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. Exciting. We are Word on the Curb and we thought we would just um, get together and just start talking about things that we want to talk about, really. There's no... no uh, no formula to the podcast. About being ourselves, about being young people. Well, you're... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm 40. <laughs> Let's get that out in the open. Let's get that out of the way. He's <laughs> I'm 40 years old, apparently. Yeah. We stay young, so he doesn't. Like <laughs> 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 but it's typically, we're all in that millennial Gen Z kind of bracket. Um, bracket yeah. And we thought it'd be interesting to explore the issues that are facing people of a similar age range mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in modern society. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, so who are well, you all? I don't know who you are. <laughs> who are you lot? Well, I'm the latest recruit. So I'm Julia and I'm community and insight manager. And you are? <laughs> so I'm Undu, uh, co-founder of Word on the Curb. Um, and I guess I look after the commercial side of the business as well. Mm. I'm Kyle Wartenberg. I'm tasked as being the strategic content manager. Also a co-founder. I met Undu nine years ago, almost nine years ago now. And um, yeah, I'm kind of more in charge of the creative direction of things. Um, yeah, and I'm Jack. Um, I've been with Well in the Curb almost from the start. Um, I went to university with Harlan and Andrew, of course. And um, I'm the senior content producer at Well in the Curb. So I like to think that um, I've got quite a lot of say when it comes to um, creating our visions for the future of what we do as a company. What do you think has kept us all like, do you think if we hadn't started Word on the Curve that we'd all still be in touch? Nah, I never really liked you two, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the reason I ask that is because you get, you have, there's, I've had so many conversations with people who either it's friends from school or friends from university that they kind of fall out of touch with. Mm. And it's kind of a shared experience at that time, a convenient relationship at that time. And then for whatever reason it dismantles. Mm. But often what typically binds people together maybe is some sort of common sense of purpose mm. that for by and large has been word on the curb. But for me, it's also been about what what we've been trying to achieve mm. um, rather than, oh, we're trying to make content together and be this big content um, agency. Mm. It's also been about the the values that underpin that, which I guess in terms of ideologically we've shared mm. and obviously bringing Julia on, mm. you also seem to kind of fit that bill as well. But I just wondered what it, what do you think mm. has kind of- I, I think that, um, I think that we probably wouldn't all be as, cl- or I, well at the very least wow. we wouldn't be spending as much time together, but I think that we would all maintain connections because I think that um, at the root of it, and I think what has really underpinned a lot of what One the Curb is about, is conversation yeah. and discussing issues and kind of like conversation being a sort of like a fundamental um, part of both our friendship and what we try to do in terms of like our realization of new ideas, new strategies, approaches, and I think our general outlook. Um, I think anyone who joins our team um, at any stage during our process um, has come to learn quite quickly that um, a lot of what we do is kind of like um, underpinned by that kind of like need to like discuss, um, examine and kind mm. of like take apart um, the things that we observe and consume mm. as young people. 
Because um, that's how it got going. Yeah. That's basically that's it. Basically yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. Because like, Julia asked that just off camera. You said, how did we even get this thing off the yeah. ground? Was yeah. that you still wanted to I know? guess uh, for me, like I've been following you guys since I was like 18, 19 years old. So I've seen you sort of go through all your different stages. Um, but obviously I wasn't there when you guys met at university. Mm. What was that like? Like how did you guys just sort of meet and you realized you had stuff in common like, how did it get started? Mm. It was, was banter. Yeah, it banter. Was just, yeah. <laughs> that's so surprising. <laughs> I is, think that's yeah. the central part of, as well as the conversation, it's also just a bit of tongue in cheek. Nothing's ever too serious with us. And I think that was established quite early on at yeah. uni. We had like this big group of, of friends mm. um, who were all very, very quite similar. Um, most of us from London up in Manchester. Um, trying to like navigate the big north yeah. and um, like those com <laughs> those conversations were very intrinsic to like how this all got going and you what know, kind of conversations from like, politics to sex uh, yeah, to religion mm -hmm. to crim like the criminal justice system yeah. right. I think there was a specific guy so our good friend Mohammed Mo shout, shout out, out to, to Mo, Mo. Yeah. Yeah. been a while his, his uni room was it, is it, do they still call it, we didn't call it dorm, dorm room, did we? No, nah, not really. Room. His room mm. was absolutely fundamental <laughs> to yeah. a lot of it was the a full conversation. Okay. And, and that's actually what, you, I don't know if you remember, mm. the, we actually set up a debate to have around um, sex and sexuality, yeah. but it was in our, in our, in place. our place. So we, Undu and I shared a place together in third mm. year, um, but it was based on a lot of the ideas that were espoused in Mo's room. Mm. Okay. So we just said, okay, Mo's room was where all the discussion and the debate Was it happened. filmed? That, so okay. in Mo's room it was never good, filmed, but we, got, but we got a camera yeah. for that. When that we got the first, cameras yeah. was yeah. when we first shot in our, in our place. Mm. Okay. Um, and it didn't quite work out in terms of the dynamics. So we- Did you have words we, on the curb already as a name or when did that come up? It was quite early on, but I don't know if it was- It was 2012. Then. I know it was 2012 and we were drafting up loads of different yeah. ideas mm. and Rose mm -hmm. um, was the person. Yeah, shout, shout out to Rose. <laughs> and Miss Beyonce, who... Um, marriage next year. We got Indy. Rose was the person that gave us the name. To, uh, the marriage <laughs> next marriage year. Yeah. <laughs> Please feel free. But the beauty in that name is that it allowed us to be quite fluid in terms mm. of our journey. Our, our journey was extremely fluid and I guess we can talk about that for those who don't want to hear their long story, you could probably go on the website. Yeah, yeah. But um, initially, because we were having all these conversations in Mo's room, mm. and then um, we thought, oh, is there a way that we can animate or bring to life the mm. discussions that we're having in a way that can be um, digested by, you know, a large audience? Um, Undu's fiance and I rose, we decided to start going out and talking to people on the street, so university students, mm. yep. about some of these subjects. Um, and we started filming them and then we took them back to the house, looked at some of the footage and we're like, oh, okay, let's do more and more of these. But because we were doing it on the streets of Manchester, like literally on Oxford Road outside the Students' Union, mm. um, yeah, in that kind of vicinity, mm. she was like, why don't we call it Word on the Curb? We're like, we're on the curb, we're speaking to students. Mm. 
and we're trying to give young people a voice. Yeah. And that, th- those and three, those ten of business, are isn't it, really? Still yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Why, why curb CURB? Because isn't the KERB? It was supposed to be like a cool. I'm glad it's CUB with a C. Yeah. It was supposed to be like a bit of a pun. A pun. Yeah. Concision. Concise. We wanted everything to be concise as well. And the Americans spell it CURB. Yeah, but I think that kind of. Definitely what you said before resonated with me, the idea that having a name like that, sometimes it just feels like a, a, like a tribute or something you just kind of like put on top to just represent. But for me, when we went through all the various kind of embryonic stages of like going into like spoken word poetry and kind of like then trying to tap into like politics and doing short films for The Guardian, Channel 4, that name and the fact that it did have this double entendre play mm. on words... I think allowed us to realize that we could do different things in different spaces yeah, and not just limit ourselves. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And so, yeah, I think there's quite a lot of power in that. Um, the the when name you're is powerful. To, yeah, when the you're trying to like cool work name. out who you are, mm. for sure. So when it comes to your first sort of, uh, I guess, successes, like when was it that you realized, okay, this is starting to gain momentum and people are paying attention and start to sort of invest more energy mm. and time and money, I guess, into it as well. A lot of time. Well, then I get, right. like, yeah. Cause there's a big there's transition a, that happens mm. in that period between okay. Talk being us on the streets it. of Manchester. How to, do you get from there to there? I mean, well, yeah, I, I think the, the thing is that our group of friends, I thought it was normal, but it turns out it was quite unique to go on a night out and then come back and discuss politics. <laughs> like mm. it was very, very unique. Do you know what? I don't. I disagree. I don't did think you it's do unique. That unique. You, I did. Really? And and but but the difference is, um, and I was thinking about this recently. Uh. There's a difference between those who can and do, and mm. those who can and don't. And you were the guys that can and did okay. because. Honestly, so many people are out there going, I want to create content, I want to make content. Mm. You guys knew there was a niche, yeah. you, you you were passionate about it, yeah. you knew that people were talking about it and you went out onto the streets and you made that content. Yeah. But you know what, there was also a really important, undis- like, and I guess next time we come together, we should probably talk about the, land- the emerging landscape of content and mm. how that's changed. Because mm. at that period in time, what was really inspiring to us was spoken word um, and then also conversations, discussions mm-hmm. that we were having. And so we were think when we first shot, like literally on the curb, mm. and Rose and I reviewed the footage, and we were like, okay, this is vaguely interesting, but there was something about it that wasn't gripping enough. Mm. So we knew we had to find a creative medium to, as I said before, bring to life this this vessel of communication that we have in our hands. Um, And the first thing that we found was poetry. So we said, can we still discuss these big issues, sex, gender, religion, Mm. you know? In different formats. Utilizing poetry as the vehicle. Um, Did it work? It it worked, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, because around that time it was, your George the Poets kind of kind of people. We had an an avid interest in it ourselves. Sully breaks. Sully breaks. Loads of people. Yeah. Are there Holly McNish, and you know they had started to kind of make waves in that in that industry, and not only within spoken word, but they were like breaking through to doing you know corporate adverts and things like that quite early on. And so importantly, speaking to young people as well. Exactly. Yeah. Th- that was yeah. important. That like Undu's always said, there was like there was this idea that there was apathetic youth, that Mm. there was um, because of growing either misinformation, um, you know, in in the news and current current affairs, 
arena that young people are becoming more distrusting of um, traditional outlets. And no platform and to, to, find, to voice their own opinions exactly, anyway, which yeah. I guess is what you guys... We're trying to kind of find exactly. new avenues to engage with these issues. Mm-hmm. And those guys, George the Poet, Sully Briggs, yeah. Holly McNish, they were finding, you know, that that ability to connect with young people through this creative form. So so what were the corporates seeing in these guys, in these people? Like, why can't they go and just, you know, talk to young people? Like, why are they, why the middleman? Well, I guess there's an element of, of doing it in a tone of voice or in a way that is accessible um, to younger audiences. I remember one specific poem from Holly, which was about um, breastfeeding in public and why it's fine. Um, and, and either it sparked or it was a response to the wider topic about breastfeeding in public. And obviously the way that it was spoken about in major news outlets and what have you, it was just quite mundane. And Mm. the the spoken word art form and speaking to real people makes it not mundane and it makes it real and it makes it opinionated. And therefore you take a stance on it because you see someone else talking about it. Mm. Um, So I think that that's probably why it spoke largely to like us as younger audiences and that's why we then took it and thought how can we not only use the art form but also challenge the the, the poets within mm. the art form and the scene and challenge them to come up with concepts in a very short time frame um about a topic and make make it kind of audience ready mm-hmm. um so that's basically what we did initially and um you had your first I, big it, yeah. hit with what, what would we say our first big hit? Um, well, the big, the, I mean, the biggest of the big. Exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying to not. I'm trying to think before that, but the, I mean, that would be to do a disservice. I think to think yeah. of like the first big hit <clears throat> would be to do yeah. a disservice right. and to also. Um, it's too I think, narrow a platform to just think. I'm about just trying to understand, like, when was that like, aha moment where re- you guys were like, okay, like we're getting views, we're getting comments, we're getting engagement. Um, people are engaging on topics that they've not been engaging with. They've been apathetic. There's something here. The thing is, though, I don't, I don't want to. I, I think that's a really great question, but to any young people that might be watching this or listening to this, I don't want to pander to. Um, instant gratification culture. I don't yeah. want hey. them to think that. Mm. What's that? Here's Explain. the moment. So instant gratification culture is, I guess, the idea that um, being validated by instant gains. Right, or quick, okay. Quick returns. Mm. So those things can be... I mean, yeah, no doubt there was loads of work about. and going out, like you said, filming, not filming, filming, scrapping, you know, a lot of that. A lot and of also, testing, like, trying. Also some stuff going up and like not, you know, we put in like loads and loads of time go across the country yeah 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 forge relationships with people shoot mm-hmm. something we at the time were kind of bootstrapping our technical <laughs> capacity yeah, yeah. as editors we were learning on the job yeah and like trying to use new equipment and technology and we put together something which required a lot of work sleepless nights and then we put it up and then nothing would happen and nothing would happen yeah or something would happen but it wouldn't it wouldn't feel proportionate to the right amount the amount of, of effort felt that you put in but mm-hmm. i think the important thing at least from my perspective, was that we were having those conversations that we all enjoyed having during university, but we were able to create networks within that kind of frame of conversation and also like at least give an avenue to these people who were like full of creative ideas and like had a voice and wanted to project it. But like sometimes the videos that these guys were putting out, great poems, just like the videos looked terrible because it was just like shot 
at the back of a gig. But or that something. was quite was that quite standard? Like, I mean, YouTube's changed a lot. You guys must have seen like no, there were videos the of a higher quality. Yeah, it, there were videos. Were you inspired we, we, when by we other understood creators? That, yeah. We understood that there would be an evolution and a graduation in terms of the the, the kit that we were able to afford mm. to purchase to be able to utilize and make the most of. Um, a graduation in our production value in terms of like how we're utilizing the equipment that we have. Like you can have an amazing camera with, you know, incredible specs and still not have the capacity to be able to actually um, really enable those, the brilliance of the camera. So uh, so you've had, uh, so it was a bit of a slow burn at the beginning, but like you said, that is normal and you don't want to like delude people that that's not the case. Um Maybe when was it that, because obviously you guys were working at the time, so you were doing this as a side hustle, right? Mm. So at what point were you like, okay, this can be monetized, that there's a commercial aspect to this. We could, we could quit our jobs. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the first, the, not. yeah, yeah. No. Not, not this point. Not at no. this point, definitely not. It was a, it, to, to think quit our jobs yeah. was probably further down the line. I per, personally, I th and I think this it goes the same with Hiwa and Jack, like I don't think we ever really saw ourselves working for the rest of our lives in just a normal traditional nine to five not to say that that's, there's a problem with that but i think just from our experiences in uni and like i definitely thought that there's a way that you can you know be your own boss and think about things that have um societal gain and impact as well mm -hmm. um as making money yeah. but i guess the first commercial kind of opportunity came with channel four um, which was in 2014, yeah. end yeah. of 2014. Um, Scottish referendum. Scottish referendum. Mm -hmm. And I guess, <laughs> but before, yeah, before right before that point, it was just really, we did have a vision and we did think, okay, cool. Well, do you know what? A thousand subscribers, that's crazy. I remember getting to a thousand subscribers thinking, wow, okay, yeah. that's more than our, fr like, than our friendship group. Mm -hmm definitely there's other people there yeah, saying and and it's also the sentiment as well comments they're saying oh this is really good this mm -hmm. is Im impactful i know you guys i love to <laughs> say that word. <laughs> the word this is impactful <laughs> and, and whatnot and and to go back to what hi was saying about doing a disservice and and not looking at vanity metrics you we look back at that and a thousand subscribers isn't a lot to what we are looking to to get it's not something that you know, we'd be happy right now if we still have a thousand subscribers. But at that point, it was a massive milestone. It felt really special. And it's it that really, really which special, got yeah. you, it was the same sentiment, I imagine, which is what Channel 4 was then trying to tap into. Yeah, I guess it was just, yeah, very simply, they they just said to us, uh, we, well, I say they said to us, we reached out to them quite, quite <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yep. um, and uh, eventually they said to us that we struggled to engage with younger audiences you guys seem to do it in quite a unique way, an authentic way. Can you help us do that? Um, and I guess after quite a few conversations, Heil, you know, going on lunch breaks to meet up with Channel 4, um, <laughs> me working from home to have a little phone call. Amazing. Um, we then got the gig with the Scottish referendum uh, to produce a piece around Englishness and what it means to be English so um, with Emmanuel Speaks. Again, big up Emmanuel because he's, again, a phenomenal poet. And at the time, I think he was like 17, 18. Yeah. Um, did, yeah. Did you, and you saw that? Did you see um, Did you see any of this stuff? Early days. I think days? so. Because I, I remember so meeting you for the first time in New Zealand house. And yeah. you, I, I, feel, I feel like you knew of us 
either you knew of us or you were impressed Honestly, on the day. I, I can't remember. Yeah. So I was there to do a different talk and there were, I think, quite a few different people there. And um, I'd done mine and then these guys came up. I think introduced, um, I think it was The Sam talk King, was actually. about for the NT, NTS to challenge, mm. wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah. Just, yeah. just to NTS. clarify for any viewers thinking, well, well, how did we meet? And I just remember thinking, like, this is really cool. Like, these are people who, I think at the time you were in employment, uh, doing things on the side. It's valuable to society. Like, it is. Re- it resonates with me I'm I'm a feminist I'm a woman like you know I know what it feels like to be marginalized and when I heard this Black History Month um poem that Samuel King did what he wasn't taught in school what what he meant I thought how amazing like it's not even their poem but like they've sort of made it go viral like you you're giving a platform to something that's really important and it's surely like affected you and and generations of, of people and that's what's so amazing about it is like you guys care about the people, you care about the community. Maybe you could even like talk to us a bit about the like community aspect because I know it's really at the core of Word on the Club. Like, like why do you care so much? You know? <laughs> I mean, why do you care? Why do, I, do, you care? Yeah. Why do I care? Yeah, what do, you, what do you care about? I've always cared about community just as a, just <laughs> as a person. Um, you know, I guess if we were to talk about identity politics, obviously I... I fit into you know the idea that I'm uh from the Afro-Caribbean community um I'm a I'm a black man um I've been <gasps> affected by a whole heap of narratives that might be unique to a particular experience um but then it also means that I'm ignorant to so many other experiences and so many other communities or mm-hmm. groups of um people who just by virtue of my living my lived experience i haven't been able to identify with or or um understand and i think going to university yeah like you know for myself up until 18 years old i'd spent the large portion of my life in a very small kind of area of southwest london um and then going to university and then meeting international students right. or people from manchester like i remember one of our good friends um, who I don't speak to as much anymore, but maybe I think I do interact with him every now and again. Lawrence right. um, <laughs> is a, is a white man from Barbados. To me at the time, in my ignorance, was like completely flabbergasted. And I think that kind of really heightened my interest in people from different mm. backgrounds and mm. wanting. And look, at, at the base of everything, we're all human beings. Yeah, um, we all, you know we all want the same things out of life we all want to be loved we all want to love you know and we all come from so many varying experiences and creating content gives us the ability to engage with people with different communities and so sometimes when we've made content people have told us oh you know i love this content for x reason or y reason and you know i'm from this community and we're never represented so to see ourselves in this content is so interesting and so um, means so much to me. And then marrying together my own politics, you know, as I've mentioned before, and my desire to want to hear other people's stories, and I think these guys would say the same, meant that it, it became important for us to build some sort of community aspect into what we do because mm-hmm. we're serving a community anyway yeah, by yeah. delivering content. That's you, you, you have to listen to your audience. Yeah. But it's not just listening to our audience that matters to us, it's caring about our audience that matters mm-hmm. to us. And um, understanding what your audience cares about. Yeah. And so we send out like a weekly email, you know, virtue <laughs> yeah. of you to yeah. a community that we've amassed over a number of years mm. to provide them with creative 
um, outlets and opportunities, outlets and opportunities, um, and opportunities to get involved in some of the content we make. And there's something that you know we take very seriously. It's something you that have has, that direct yeah. link, and I think that's what makes Word on the Curb in many ways so valuable. For me, it's been really interested, com- really interesting coming in, um, coming from an agency background, and then coming to a more like young mobile agency, new type agency. Um, what I found really fascinating about Word on the Curb is you have it all under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got your editors, content makers, creatives, financials, and much more. Um, and uh, but you've also got your community, and then you've got this direct link and all your own insights. So you're you're not going to anyone else because you're you're creating and you're in touch directly with the people you're creating for and representing. And I think it's so powerful also um, that you guys aren't just doing it for your own issues because we all appreciate, I think, how interconnected everyone is and how important it is for everybody to be visible and for everybody to have a platform to express themselves. And I think that's something <coughs> that the media and traditional media has not been doing. Mm-hmm. And so hence we've been getting quite quite a few phone calls and emails which yeah. is nice isn't it <laughs> it's, it's paid bad. off it's, yeah it has paid off and i think that on on that point that's where um the what i wasn't taught in school video that you referenced briefly earlier that's exactly where it came from um so that for that in terms of the first big kind of mm. thing was probably it before the channel four yeah. was um it was before channel four right? it, it was, was it after it was, yeah. um it was after. It was after. It was yeah. Octo- Channel 4 October. was September 2014 okay, in the Scottish after. referendum so and then after. October. Yeah. Yeah. So even after that, it was very closely followed up by a piece which I guess came to fruition because we, you know, we were thinking, oh, it's Black History Month next month. Mm. You know, and this is very wrong, by the way, for any <laughs> brand or businesses looking at it. Like, it shouldn't be Black History Month is next month. What should we do? Mm. But, you know, being in full time employment, <laughs> trying to do word on the curb on the side that's essentially what happened and it continued to happen until we were able to go full time but um we then kind of thought what can we do for it is there anything unique that we can do and i guess by virtue of being a black man and Heil being a black man and having other black people around us but not only that having jack around us as well and other friends around us <laughs> who have also been in school when yeah. black history month has been taught yeah. and being able to lean on what their experiences are and what our experiences are and what everyone's experiences are and the unique not the unique the the kind of like um the common theme and the common ground was that it was always the same every year we were always taught the same thing martin luther king Blah 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 blah, and we, we didn't have Black to... History Month at my school. Really? No, it was just White History Month all year round. No, we literally just did like I think we just did slavery then, and like civil rights, the Where civil did you rights go movement. I, I went to school in Berkshire, and hence oh, I'm right, in London okay. because honestly I just couldn't wait to get out and just meet some other people and hear some mm-hmm. other opinions. For goodness yeah. sakes, it's so boring. That's, just, that's, that's, that's community. Uh, that's, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. I mean, different people. we would have known that. I, I would have just assumed that it was part of the curriculum every October. No, no not at teach all. Teach a bit of Black History, chuck it in. Yeah, um, but it's interesting actually viewing that video in retrospect now because I think at the time when we were having conversations about Black History Month and like how limited it was and repetitive. I think they probably at the time I recall having kind of conversations about why do we even have a Black History Month? Like why is the education syllabus not just fully integrated with uh, an education that represents all of us? Um, it's just history. Yeah, and it seems to be now a conversation that's being it started or, or well, being brought to light in a, in a more strong way mm-hmm. now now that Black History Month, you know, has just passed. 
Um, and I'd I, like to think that we had a hand in pushing, you know. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, every year you get comments coming back to that video saying, I use this in my classroom, a lot of teachers. I have several of my friends who are school teachers around our age who have asked me to like put the video up, get the link. And they've shown it in their classroom. I think all of us probably have similar experiences. Um, and yeah, it, aside from the, the vanity metrics and the fact that it was the first video of ours to get over a million views, it's really those kind of stories of the interconnectivity of that. And like, you know, whilst it, we platformed Samuel King, we also scripted it. We found the location. We used all the resources that we had as people who are in video production um, and passionate about the story to really bring it to life. Um, and I think that that in a way has been something that we can always look back mm -hmm. to as like, that was something where we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a firm direction, but we felt really passionate about one idea. We made it and we did really well. I mean, we, we also look back and be like, oh, that, that shot, shot is, is not crazy. very good. That's the audio is a bit messy. Yeah. yeah, but that's all those things are important building blocks of who we are. Mm. You know, we didn't all go to school to study media. None of us did. Uh, we didn't go and study film production. You know, we, we picked up these, these, uh, these equipment, um, this equipment rather, and learn with our bare hands. And um, I think that creates authentic content yeah. for sure. I, the, the, the thing with that, not to linger on that piece though, but um, I was just going to go back to the community because that for me is when I feel like I realized that our viewership wasn't just viewers, that they were a community because mm -hmm. we had so many people get in contact with us. Like, what can I kind of like, what can I do to help? Or how can I be part of what you guys are doing? It, it was like the start of a movement which I feel Word on the Curb is. Um, People not, gravitate you know, to Word yeah, on the Curb. It's not just a brand. We don't just create videos yeah. and fling them out and don't care about our audience. And that's very um, a, a big central part into our strategy as well and our culture is, you know, our audience are our stakeholders. They're the people who watch our content and yeah. we've got to care about what they want to see and, yeah, and the kind of follow up. What were you guys doing at the time when all this was going on? Because you say this was a side hustle. What were you up to? Uh, so I was on a grad scheme at L'Oreal as an account manager. Well, initially in the grad scheme, then moved off and then became an account manager just in Excel every day, basically. But it gave me like really good grounding into the world of brands and how brands connect with audiences. Um, was that how long were you there for? Uh, so I started in 2014, February, um, and then I left in 2017 in May on a sabbatical which I didn't go back to. Yeah. And you guys, I don't think I know what you were doing at the time. I was doing loads of different things. I was, I was at ITV first um, for a year in production across loads of different productions, ITV studios. Um, and then I worked, I did a little bit of stuff for the N NTS The Challenge. Then I did some stuff for... Um, Barclays is um, their life skills program, kind of across content. Um, then, I can't remember. Then I did youth work for two years, actually. I did two, two years of youth work, and then I got back into production with Fully Focused in North London before going full-time. Amazing. So, yeah, lots of stuff. Yeah. And, Jack, you also, you've got another job at the moment, haven't you? Yeah, well, so I was actually, I was a cycle courier um, when this was all getting started and I had a bit of a sort of after uni, I don't really know what I'm doing um, kind of phase and couriering was a, was a good filling point. But I also work part time for a media organization 
um, who I won't necessarily disclose just because I, there's a point that I want to make in that being there and spending time in that space has really shown me reflexively and reflectively what a lot of media is missing and like what we can do Ooh. in <laughs> yeah. response. Uh, you know, th yeah. they do some things good and, you know, they're obviously a big mainstay of like modern media, but I think that the way that it's going and the way that young people are consuming media it's just changing isn't it's it? going off in a totally different direction yeah. and you either like a part of shaping that or you get left behind i this, think the scenes it. when it, this goes out on linkedin works out yeah i was just thinking oh scenes. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the main thing though because <laughs> whilst we had this idea and we had a vision and a plan um, we got missed. <laughs> um, like for for me, for Hyle, for Jack, like working in those environments has given us that understanding and that grounding of what right. big organizations are missing yep. and what big organizations need and therefore Absolutely. what we can implement. But not only what they're missing, what they do good because yeah, they're yeah. ultimately they're making a lot of money. What can we take from those organizations and apply it to what we're doing? Absolutely. Add our vision, add our plans and our ideas and hopefully you get word on the curb. Amazing. Yeah. So what are we now? Well, if you were to describe to somebody what we do now, mm. and why we're so important <laughs> to asking people. You know what I laugh because I, <laughs> from the time I can remember, whether it would be at Jack's house, my house, Hyle's house, we'd sit down with a piece of paper, like who are <laughs> who we, are we? <laughs> what, what do we do? <laughs> and then we just rewrite it every single year. Um, but that's part of the fluidity. I think it's, it's good. But I'd say, you know, we're a, we're an online broadcaster um, and we create factual entertainment and reality content for 16 to 30 year olds predominantly. Um, we, we like to tell stories, explore culture, explore identity of people from around the UK, but also around the world. We've we've been able to shoot in other um other locations but it's also great to be in london because it's yeah. so metropolitan you Absolutely. get to to see other other existences you can so. pull people off the high street yeah and then from there obviously we connect brands with the younger audiences that we have too so, so that's and a well, well honed definition yeah. which has taken many taken years to yeah. <laughs> whittle years. down <laughs> and i think you know what i like to say now is that if you know brands are attempting to have a place in youth culture that they should go through us because yeah. i think we, it's something that through seven years of experience of immersing ourselves in the culture, being young people in that period of time, you know, we, we're only 27 now. You oh, boring. Still, See, it's the um, same joke, <laughs> same joke. Um, but, you know, literally going, going on that journey of being a young person in this seven years mm -hmm. of time has yeah. been so informing to what we do. Yeah. Um, and, and learning from others as well, which exactly. I think is probably the key that most brands or bigger organizations don't do. We, we have no ego. You dissolve the ego when you come into our offices and a 12 year old has as much knowledge about yeah, how they consume yeah. content more Which knowledge is how they very different content. to how all of the offices exactly. that we worked in operated yeah well Absolutely. i mean the the age gap everyone lumps young people together but yeah. ultimately my 16 year old cousin is very 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 different to me mm -hmm. and watches different things on different platforms 
on different apps than I yeah. do. So it's yeah, I've been getting week. a like a up to speed course on what TikTok is over the last yeah. few weeks because uh, I was you know I was ignorant about that. But um, yeah, I think we will share that sort of cultural um, or a culture of like constantly being interested and curious and wanting to learn about what young people are doing. Yeah, I think I think we should probably talk about content next time we meet up and it would talk make about sense, I guess yeah you know our journey in creating content and how that has been how that's operated and worked parallel with mm. the industry at large, how mm. we've seen content change mm -hmm. and how we feel, you know, we've been able to identify different trends that have yeah. been helpful to different brands that we've worked with. Sounds good. And he's got to shoot because he's presenting an Thank award. Thank you very much, Water. <laughs>